Welcome to the Disruptive Mindset Podcast. Join me, Emma Jones, as we take a deep dive behind the scenes of executives and leaders in the IT and the tech industries. We'll find out about their models for success, lessons they've learned, and what makes them disruptive in their businesses and sectors, and ultimately find out how it can help us. Enjoy. Welcome to the Disruptive Mindset Podcast with me, your host, Emma Jones. We regularly dive into the potential of technology on this podcast. And in this episode, we've looked into how technology can improve our ED&I practices. I was joined by Harsh Son, the Global Chief People Officer and Head of Marketing at Tech Mahindra, who shared his experience of ED&I strategies. So my first question to you is you're the chief people officer of a multi-million dollar SI and you're leading four of the largest areas, which is obviously uh, marketing, DNI, employer branding and talent. Did you always have a plan? Well, that's an interesting question, uh, Emma. Um, you know, I've been in a way fortunate uh, in my career to gain a diverse set of experiences uh, that have really prepared me for the leadership role. So whether it is marketing or HR or uh, corporate services uh, that I do. Uh, and while generally I would say I've had a, a sense of direction and aspiration uh, clearly impacted in my mind, uh, I've also had an open mind to embrace the new challenges that actually uh, came my way. Uh, and actually, to be honest, I the fact that I was curious by nature, uh, you know, I, I opted for those challenges, unseen, uh, untraversed, uh, you know, regions and areas. Uh, and I think that stood me in, uh, in good stead. So I would say that I had a broad plan um, always, and I do, uh, and to that extent, I'm quite methodical, mm -hmm. uh, but I've also been open uh, to embrace what comes my way. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is it's the curiosity that's probably opened, you know, you've stood at doors and sort of been curious and looked around the doors, which is probably taken. Yeah, so two two things I would say, uh, curiosity. Uh, and I would, even if I say so myself, I've been bold enough to say that I'm going to take this on. For example, I started with the HR and marketing functions. And today, I've also added the supply chain, the people supply chain and the corporate services function. Now, uh, you know, the idea was that it, it the, the learning uh, was immense. And recently, I'm also now looking at the whole cost and the, the bottom line of the company. Uh, and I'm just saying, so the excitement of trying something new and the courage to say, okay, you know, uh, let me try it and I'm sure I'll succeed is something that that I think has helped me around the way. Obviously, I've been fortunate and lucky uh, to get the right opportunity. So I would say it's uh, it's not always what you set out to do. You also have to have an opportunity to do so. Uh, and in that sense, I think I've always had the good fortune of uh, getting the right opportunities. But, but as I say to everybody around me, uh, you know, you have to grab the opportunity when it comes. And, and in that sense, I think, I've been uh, I've been doing a good job, but I've also been fortunate to have uh, you know good guidance and people who gave me the opportunity to take on new roles. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I do think it's about the people sometimes you surround yourself with, um, you know, that enables you to, uh, you know, to move forward in life, doesn't it? You know, I think it's uh, seriously important. So talking about some of your achievements, um, which you have many, <laughs> but I'm going to pick on this particular one because I think it's probably the envious of, 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 of a lot of leaders out there. Um, and they're probably curious about how you've done this, but you've you've got 14% attrition um, rate, which is seriously impressive. So what's your secret around that? You know, I wish there was one mantra, but I can tell you that uh, um, if I was to put it in one word, uh, and you can, you can rarely do so, I would say it's the belief in the culture. Uh, and it's in the belief in what we call the rise tenets of accepting no limits uh, and getting into a, a you know a positive frame, which means driving positive impact uh, and alternative thinking. Yeah. So uh, the culture and 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 the way we define culture in our company, uh, Emma, is about driving positive change, celebrating each moment, and empowering all to rise. So. We don't define our culture in reams of paper. It's just one line, which really means that, you know, you drive positive change in the lives of your customers and your customers' customers. It means you celebrate each moment. If you're not having fun, well, you're not taken. Uh, you have to celebrate. You have to have fun. And finally, you have to be empowering uh, youngsters. So you'll see a lot of youngsters taking on uh, a lot of positions uh, in, in the company. Well, that's one. But I would say if I was to uh, you know, take a step back, uh, we have a philosophy of creating great human experiences. Mm. It's not employee engagement. It's not employee experience. Human experience extends beyond the office hours and beyond the, the employee into the families. We believe that, you know, today employees need a user-like experience, a customer-like experience, and an employee-like experience. So it is about these human experiences. And our mantra says that we enable them through technologies. But technology is an enabler. Moments of truth are still human. And, and, and that, to create that human experiences, I think, has been our attempt when we look at the complete employee life cycle. Uh, from hiring, holistic well-being, family, work environment, we try and create those moments of truth or the human experiences across every life uh, cycle experience. Um, it could be personal, it could be professional. When COVID hit us, mm. uh, what we did for our employees and their families was more on, well, not really purely professional, but communities and the larger uh, good. Uh, but it's also about a belief uh, of being authentic to our employees. I think uh, I, I see a lot of companies make a lot of noise around these things, but to be authentic consistently was a big differentiator. Mm. Um, you know, to me, I always quote Maya Angelou, uh, who said, people forget what you did, people forget what you say, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And it's about making people feel special. Mm. Uh, we also, in our company call, uh, we, we feel each employee is special. So we say N is equal to one, hyper-personalization. 
uh, even the way we write policies, we the way we address issues are are hyper personalized. And uh, of late, one of the essential things is we are uh, the number one employer for women in India. We are the number one employer for careers. Um, we are very big on diversity, inclusivity. Now, this all creates an environment where people thrive. Our internal fulfillment rates have gone from about 40% to 70%, which are best in the industry, uh, which gives people avenues to build their career. So we are the number one career uh, company in, in the mm. country. So which basically means we are trying to address a holistic experience of an employee. We use HR tech uh, like nothing else to, again, enhance the experience. For example, we don't have any ID cards. We have facial recognition, right? People just wow. walk in. Uh, but facial recognition with a twist, it's also uh, a moodometer where it recognizes about eight moods. Mm. And it's completely GDPR compliant, so it doesn't store anything. It can't tell you the mood of Harsh, but it can tell you the mood of Gurgaon or Delhi or NCR mm. or Hyderabad. We have, um, you know, recruitment on Metaverse. We have uh, the first non-human employee, uh, K2, which is a humanoid, which could answer all queries of people during the COVID because, you know, uh, you never have COVID for a... So how, how does it work then, Harsh? So, so you've mentioned that you did um, recruitment in the Metaverse, which is going to be one of my questions, right? Because I am really interested on, on is that moving the needle for you? Are people enjoying the experience? How, 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 how is that all working out? So, you know, you need to understand uh, as you look into, and, and you know, uh, we, we always gaze into the future, right? And there's a lot of work that's been talked about the future of work. Uh, my belief really is that the future of work is here now. Mm. And essentially, apart from everything else, which is hybrid, which is work from anywhere, three things matter. One, everything that moves in the future will be autonomous. So mobility is equal to autonomous. Second, um, uh, everything that is in a product form or a process form will be first in the virtual world than in the real world, right? And finally, visualization in the real world is a big differentiator. So if you look at these three, what do you do with something like, what do we do if you say metaverse induction, metaverse recruitment? We are creating an immersive experience, which is similar for people anywhere, whether it's a large city, small city, uh, you know, far off place, the experience is similar, immersive. Uh, you actually feel, and Harsh can talk to hundreds of people simultaneously as if I was there and they can ask their questions. So the whole visualization, the whole impact is very different. And therefore, we believe that it enhances what I started by saying, human experiences. Mm. Um, I mean, I can go on and on, but really it's about increased reach. It's about, it's about gamification of the experience. It's about uh, immersive, um, holistic uh, experience that people get. And most importantly, you don't have an advantage or disadvantage being a big town person or a small town person or far flung uh, area where you can't reach. So it's a great tool 
mm. to enhance the immersive experience. And we use it extensively. We use blockchain, we use AI, uh, we use uh, many other technologies, not because of the power of the technology, but the power of the experience. So for example, we came out with the world's first marketplace of talent because we realized that, and you would know it in your, it's in your area that, you know, your internal job postings are a mess because, you know, you do it on mails, uh, nobody applies, people get frustrated uh, because they upskill and then they never get jobs. Mm. So we introduced about three years ago, Talex, which is the first marketplace of talent in the world where whenever the job comes, it sort of, you know, uh, matches skill sets across the world and pops up 10 names which match the best. And it also takes into account whether they're eligible for rotation or not. Mm. It also allows people to bid for the job of their dream. So technically, uh, people who are great performers and who have, their, you know, their reward scores high can technically bid for any job. And the highest bidder gets a world wildcard entry into the interview process. So imagine we now have, you know, put in front of our employees a chance to get any job that they want and the ability not only to match their skills, but to say, I am really interested in the job and I will bid for it and I will make sure that I get it. For example, when I went into a business role, uh, I don't think I had all the skill sets to do so, mm. but there was an innate desire to get into business and I had a sense and understanding which I thought was a differentiator and I could get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just saying, you look at virtual, you look at technology, but don't look at technology for the sake of technology. Mm. Look at it to create those immersive experiences, mm. those human experiences which make a difference to the people's lives. Mm. The problem with some of the HR folks is they use the technology because it's a cool thing to say I use the AI. But that has no meaning, right? Mm. Ultimately, it has to be a means to an end and not an end itself. So what we are trying to do here is uh, make technology an enabler, but our end is to make it create wonderful, lasting human experience. Yeah. I mean, it sounds amazing, to, to be honest with you. And I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, have, being, a, being a company that has implemented technology and AI and, 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 and trying to keep ahead of the curve, you have to take people along with you, otherwise it just doesn't work. And I, and I really like your, the way that you've come at that. Um, and you've answered that question really well, because actually you've given me a sense of how Tech Mahindra is actually is, is, you know, ahead of the curve in this sort of stuff, you know, and making it a human immersed experience. Um, I think is um, really smart, actually, because Tekim is one of probably the fastest growing brand, brands and companies um, in the SI market at the moment. What, what would you say the differentiators are? Um, or tell me about the sort of people function um, that, that, that's made you different. Again, I've talked about it, but um, A, it's the people function and not HR. Right. All right. So what, what is the difference? It means we believe that uh, we don't just be, are a, we are not just a business partner, but we have the ability to lead the business. Remember in an IT environment, 64% of all costs are normally people costs. 
So you're not just, uh, you know, helping business succeed. You are the business. Uh, and when you realize that, and when you see how can we impact a, the business in a positive way, I'll give you an example. We started this journey about five years ago when I came back into HR and then marketing. And, you know, it's two facets of similar kinds. For example, both are people. One is a customer, one is internal customer. And we said, I looked at competition and said, what can we do to be a a significant differentiator for business and make HR or the people function a business differentiator. And then I'll not have to sell my policies. I'll not have to you know, <laughs> convince people to talk about HR. They would be HR ambassadors. So today, very clearly, if you look at us versus competition, our uh, stance, or, you know, we have the lowest attrition. You talked about it in the beginning, 40%. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the next competitor in the peer set is 4% higher. Now imagine the differentiation purely on cost that we save because 50% higher is what you pay when you go outside. That's one. Second, when we go on to, to you know, present to our deals, actually our diversity and inclusivity and the fact that we have been recognized globally, uh, whether it's TV award, Brendan Hall awards, Bloomberg Gender Equality Index, we are fourth time in that in the Bloomberg Gender Equality Index. If you look at the kind of recognition we've got on using HR tech uh, for enhancing these experiences, whether you look at uh, being a best employer in Asia, uh, a brand which is the most, the fastest growing brand among the top 25 in IT, the whole thing is an external validation and recognition of who we are. Mm. And I think that is what the people function drove. Not to say that we are going to throw HR jargon and sound intelligent. You know, for us, we have 160,000 HR folks, not only about a few hundred. Mm. And I think, and, and because people realized that we were winning deals, we were making difference to people's lives. And we had a lot of customers say, you know what? At the end, the sales guys did their pitch, but the person on the ground is what makes a difference. And I see a humongous difference mm -hmm. because our engagement scores, by the way, shot up to, out through the roof from the highest ever of 4.04, we shot up to 4.58 on a scale well, of five. Well, well, could you could you pinpoint exactly what it was? Because, I mean, honestly, you're, you must, because you, I mean, you've got an amazing, you're, you're sort of bucking the trend, really, because if you, if you look at the systems integration and consultancy market, there is a you know, everybody's like, I want diversity hiring, diversity hiring, you know, and, and, and that's what we experienced, you know, and, uh, but you are really bucking the trend here from, from a, a diversity, LGBTQI, you know, from all of this. And, and I'm really interested to know, can you pinpoint it exactly what it was that you've done differently? Or is it just a whole heap of things? No, it is, it is an ecosystem, but let me, let me take a step back, Emma, mm -hmm. and tell you on why. The question of why was very important. We want to be, wanted it to be a differentiator. We wanted to have a plank which could give us at least four, hour, four years uh, of differentiation amongst any of the competitions. You can't suddenly overnight become a DNI uh, sensitive company. You can't suddenly uh, become a company that's the best employer overnight. So that is a big differentiator from competition. Now, revenue solutions, EBITDAs are variable, right? Uh, and you can copy that very quickly. Um, Let's take 
when we looked at diversity, we said, what kind of diversity should we do? We went out and said to the world, and this is all in public domain, we are an intentionally diverse and a globally inclusive company. Now, the moment you say we are an intentionally diverse mm. and a globally inclusive company, you're making a statement and saying, hold me responsible for it. Um, intentionally diverse, not only on gender, but diversity of age, diversity of nationality, diversity of thought, everything is in, you know, uh, part of it. Um, when you look at gender, we said everything should be three genders. And this is in India where, you know, people really rec hardly recognize uh, this. We started by putting our policy, everything, by the way, is uh, three genders for us, all policy statements, everything. We have got 12 active LGBT communities that are actively, uh, you know, advocating the rights. We have, on gender, we have 36% uh you know uh, women leaders but we said we will go beyond this we were the first ones to bring in uh some very breakthrough policies on lgbtq uh for example we came out with a srs which is the surgery for uh, changing your gender and everybody laughed and said oh gosh you're putting that in india who avails it guess what emma last year one of our associates actually availed it in India and went on record saying, if it was not for this company, wow. I would never have the courage to do it. And we we not only bear the cost, but we also give six months leave. And and it just kept us very, very progressive. I mean, we, that, is, that is phenomenal, Harsh. I mean, just even yeah. just hearing that, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think it's just so forward thinking, you know, and, and from what I experienced, you seriously live and breathe this human centric approach, which is, you know, it's all testament that you're 14% attrition, that, you know, that you have these policies in place. You know, I think it's amazing. Yeah, and, and you know, the, 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 I would say one thing. You can't have these initiatives in isolation. They have to be strung together as an employee value proposition. And our employee value proposition was very clear. We will unleash the potential of people. But, you know, our EVP is very simple. It says freedom to explore. Freedom to explore what you dream. Freedom to dream what you want. And the entire ecosystem helps you achieve that. And that's a very, very powerful thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't happen overnight. Obviously, there's a humongous support from the leadership, from the employees who believed in it. We, for example, today attract... Uh, women leaders more than, I mean, our attrition is much lower for women leaders. We attract women leaders from across the country and the world. We are proud when we go and say we are the best employer for women, but we have to justify it. For example, I'll give you one example again. Uh, you know, we, we have no reservations. I mean, we don't have a reserved parking. We don't have a reserved seating except for expectant mothers. And, and we have parkings in every office which are painted pink. Now, when we did that, people came and said, why? You know, um, and we were very clear that if we were to be a great employer, we have to understand the tribulations of somebody who's expecting a baby and coming to work. It's just not having a crash, but the right kind of chair, the right kind of table, the right kind of support, the right kind of ecosystem, mental and physical both. 
We've done that. Uh, and therefore, we have many policies around this, which make us extremely progressive, right? We have a gig working company. We actually have an offshoot company called BGIG, which is into gig working. So if women take a break, they still can do gig work. Uh, so we are just not saying lip service to the fact that we want women to come back. We are one of the companies that hire a lot of women back into the workforce. Uh, economic empowerment of women even beyond is important for us. Uh, and, and I think, to me, this holistic view of who you are and what you want to be made a big difference. When COVID stuck, you know, today, if you, if you go and say, which is the IT company that sort of made people proud, the answer is unanimous is Tech Mahindra. The reason is, we believe that if that was our philosophy, we had to go and save lives, not only of our employees, of their families, but the communities. So we converted, we did many things. We converted our offices into intensive care units. We got medicine. We gave oxygen plants. We treated and saved lives. Uh, when we lost a few people, right? We lost many people. And what we did is we said, we will employ the next of kin or one of the family members in the workforce. We will bear the expenses of the children's education up to the 12th class, irrespective of the amount and many other things that really made the whole industry proud. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes you have to look beyond who you are uh, to really sort of create this impact. So I would say stems from the fact that it's a people function, not an HR department. Yeah. Because the HR department, you know, and somebody asked me what's in a name and we were having a debate. So, you know, we used to call, uh, we used to be called uh, an administrative department and then, which was really payroll. Then it was HR, <laughs> which is human resources. Yeah. And my question is today you work with bots, yeah. machine and man. So it's about humans working with machines. It's about uh, a lot of other things that come in. So it's, it's, it's a people function. It's a sustainability function. Because even when you, you have to look at and say you're a proud company, you have to look at not only your own business, your own company, but the planet. Mm. Uh, so we are big into sustainability, which also is a way to tell people that we care. Mm. So, I mean, it is, it's a holistic approach, which I think, Emma, is important. It's not about to say whether you're, a, you're an HR person. I think everybody who works in the company is an HR or a people mm. person. I like, and I like today, that thinking harsh, do you know what I mean? And, and, you know, from what I experienced, it's very, hum I mean, it, COVID was very humbling. I mean, we had it all over in the UK, you know, we saw what was going on in India and it was absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, I knew, I, I'd known that Tech Mahindra had pushed the, you know, pushed the boundaries there and did something extraordinary um, from what I can, from what I can see. And I think that, uh, you know, again, that all comes down to this human this human company, which is coming through really loud and clear, really loud and clear. And I like that whole reframing of it's not HR, it's a people function. And, 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 you know, by the sounds of it, that's exactly, you know, what you have really pulled through into, um, into your role, roles. <laughs> I'm going to say that because there are many. <laughs> yeah, absolutely phenomenal. So, so coming into 2023, Harsh, um, 
we know there's been a softening of the market, um, you know, especially around the uh, leadership uh, side of things. So what are, what are your big bets coming into 2023 and how are you are you feeling any of this sort of uh, softening of the market? Well, like I started by telling you that one of the things that I do now is also look at the bottom line, the cost, the EBITDA pressures. Uh, it's a great feeling to have an end-to-end view of the business. Uh, we are a company that stands steadfast on our uh, principal values. And I think what we are looking is to be a company that takes proactive steps to um, reduce wastage rather than take knee-jerk reactions when you know something hits you. Uh, you know, uh, what, you know, you know, Winston Churchill clearly said, never waste a crisis. And we, we are a strong believer in it because COVID taught us this. We never thought we would be able to work in a virtual mode. Uh, if you look at Tech Mahindra, we've never asked people to come back into offices compulsorily, like many other IT companies have said. We believe hybrid and flexibility is important. We are now looking at various other initiatives. It could include, you know, looking at our subcon costs, our offshoring numbers. It can look at um, increasing our internal fulfillment. As I said, it's already gone up to 70%, which means you get more job rotations and hire less from outside. It could mean juniorization where you get a lot of pressures in and give them opportunities to grow. Uh, and I would say the idea is to look at various options where people together can work. But the important thing is about storytelling and telling people what is it that you are doing and taking people along. And I think Tech Mahindra believes in the power of the 160,000 people that work with us. Mm. And so we believe that if we have to look at 2023, there are opportunities and there are challenges. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the challenges become opportunities. Mm-hmm. How do you convert a challenge into an opportunity? And an opportunity into a greater opportunity, which is clearly what COVID helped us learn. And I think as a people function, we look at the whole life cycle and what our customers want. It's also about doing a little crystal glazing and seeing what are the technologies that will help our customers do better. It's also about looking at upskilling. It's also about training people, rotating people, upskilling them to take on higher jobs, which will A, give you a cost advantage, but also give you a tremendous uplift Mm. on the career option that you give to people. Mm. I think it's about a holistic approach as you look forward, as the, the challenges stare in your face and say, how do I twisted upside down for the challenge to be converted into an opportunity. And I think that's where we are good at. Uh, we are also learning. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we are a company that's nimble. And that's probably our biggest differentiator. So we would want to continue to be nimble uh, and adapt and adopt to the new uh, ways of the world. Yeah. And I think that's, I think you've hit the nail on the head, actually. You know, I think there's, uh, even though you're sort of, I think about 6 billion now, I mean, you're not so small, are you? But but actually, you know, still being nimble and still having your finger on the pulse, I think, um, I think will hold you in probably good stead for 2023. Um, that's correct. That's absolutely. correct. Absolutely. Um, 
So what are your views on driving uh, the right behaviours when it comes to sort of reward and benefits? Well, I'm a, a, a maverick slightly there because I do believe that reward and recognition, uh, a lot of companies get it wrong. It's not about what you pay. It's, there are three or four decisions in reward and recognition. One is who. Who do you pay the reward? Who do you recognize? What do you do? Is it cash? Is it non-cash? When and how? So it's about who, what, when, how. Who means at Tekken, for example, even our sales incentive schemes include delivery folks, backend folks, HR, finance. It's a feeling of a team spirit. Uh, you know, we have, we have uh, it's not only for sales, because the sales folks also realize that they have a spirited delivery folks, spirited backend finance and HR folks. They will obviously achieve a much better result. Then what? Do you give it in kind or cash? We have both. Um, uh, you know, for example, we give motorcycles and watches and vacations and we give cash. Uh, when is important because, you know, if you look at what's changed in the world, so, you know, if your company still is only doing annualized incentive plans, you are missing a trick. In, in our company, for example, this quarterly plan, we change every single quarter. And this is on top of your annualized plan. So the, the duration, the frequency, it is there to enhance the agility. And the, the, the annualized plans are those which will look at comparatively long-term goals. The quarterly plans are agile plans, uh, which will look at what you want to achieve in that quarter and reward that behavior. And we have as much as, as many as 11 plans. So the when and the how often is very important and how, how do you make it visible? And do you involve the families into it? For example, our Ooh. vacation. The reason <laughs> it's important is when somebody goes on a vacation and you know, uh, shoot, picks, uh, you know shoots a picture and puts it on our intranet, everybody says, wow. Yeah. There he is with his wife, his kid, and his dog, and gone on a vacation and enjoying. That visualization is key. And I think that inspires a lot more than to say we are giving you $10,000. You know, you have to start thinking differently. And, and we have done that. Uh, and I think to me, while we, I would still say we have, we have minds to go. Uh, and, you know, it is still something that is work in progress. But we have experimented. And, and I started by telling you curiosity, experiments, and the courage to do different things. Uh, you know, when we started the quarterly sprints, a lot of people questioned it, saying, aren't is giving too much? But we suddenly realize if you get an uptick in revenue and EBITDA, gosh, it pays for itself like nothing else. So that's why, uh, you know, uh, I think in reward and recognition, uh, there's a lot of other factors that people have to take into account. It's just not, sometimes a pat in the back works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Sometimes, uh, you know, if you, if you reward at the end of the year and something's done, it's too late. Mm. Uh, so you have to be looking at a, a combination of various things. And I would say if you are your reward structure, if your incentive structure, and so is the case with the compensation structures, are progressive and agile. For example, when you do a startup, even within our company, 
You can't have a fixed and variable in the truest sense of the word like you have for the rest of the company. You have to flip it. Mm. You have to say, no, no fixed, only variable, and you can earn up to 600%, 700%. Mm. Uh, we can't suddenly say, oh, it's just 30% and 70% like normal. So I think it's time that the people function gets agile. Second, how do you reward and recognize in a hybrid way? So you have to, the how part is important because people are spread all across. And so you can't get them into a room and clap. So you still have to have the same kind of an experience. And that's why technology and things like metaverse come into play, where you can provide an immersive experience, even for something that's not sort of, uh, you know, in a room. Yeah. I, so from what I'm hearing, I think you said some really um, interesting uh, points there and what I'm hearing Harsh is this bit one of your superpowers actually because I think there's some real innovation in that and I think there's a for me there's a deep understanding of people's behaviors and how people and how people operate because you're absolutely right I think in everything you said um, there I really interesting I'd love to I'd love to actually lift the lid on that and know a little bit a little bit more about it as I'm sure a lot of people would so tell me Harsh what's what's one question that I haven't asked, that you wish I had asked, and how would you have answered it? You've asked a lot of questions, but... I know. <laughs> something, something that I always ask people, and I often ask myself is, what is the people function all about? How has it changed? And one of the aspirations, again, you know, I sometimes believe that people in, uh, who are HR folks um, haven't defined for themselves what their role is and what the leadership is all about. So for example, leadership to me has or transformed from uh, command and control to resilience and ownership. And, the, and, and today, HR folks, I would say, are best equipped to become CEOs, best equipped to take on business roles. They have to transcend themselves from saying, I will support the business to say, I will lead the business. The three or four things that I would say for HR and people function managers and for anybody actually would be the ability to dream. You know, when we were kids, we dreamt big. We thought of becoming superstars, superheroes, uh, you know, astronauts, but we tend to lose it as we grow older. But I think that ability to dream Ability to dream big is essential for leadership. Uh, second, I would say, I talked about curiosity. The ability to ask questions, the ability to be curious about what's happening around you and wanting to know more is again something that I think is what people managers and in fact, all leaders should be able to do. Third is about, so I call it, uh, the power to dream in the three C's. So I talked about curiosity. It's also about courage. Courage to A, have a belief and then uh, defend that belief. And finally, collaboration. Nobody wins these battles alone. You know, it would be foolish to say, oh, it's because of Hush that Tekem looks good. It's the team. It's every single person who works here, who contributes. So, you know, people who are not collaborative leaders uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. So I would say, uh, you know, today you have to turn the definition of leadership on its head and you have to look at saying, 
the power of dream. And you know, in, in India, especially Emma, there is this whole saying where your parents tell you to keep both feet on the ground. And I actually say that don't do that. Uh, experiment, <laughs> have one leg up in the air, experiment, have the courage to dream big. Because dreams are something that make you do things which you never thought were possible. Mm. Uh, and I think that's the kind of dream which could be, uh, which should inspire folks to do. And I don't think we dream big enough. We are not radical in what we think. Uh, and if you're radical and dream big, you can change the world. Yeah. And you are. <laughs> not really. You are, you are too, you're well, you're getting there. So I've got one last question for you, and I'm going to put you right on the spot here, Arsh. Who's the one person you would recommend and like to listen to on a podcast? A uh, difficult question. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, whether it's, um, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the Tim Ferriss show, uh, where Tim Ferriss is the host, is the Sam Harris show, which says Making Sense. Sam Harris show is the Making Sense. Uh, the American Lie or This American Life by Ira Glass. Uh, a lot of shows and even the normal TED Talks, you know, I, I love to hear the, the normal TED Talks. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, sometimes you just, take that break. Uh, I even look at comedy shows, for example. Uh, even when there's a tough meeting, I think the first thing I do is look at a comedy show. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the same. I love a podcast. I absolutely love it because yeah. I just think you get to the, you get to know the real person. And I think that, that's correct. they're really that's correct. important. I've listened to loads of them and I'm, I'm just like, oh, I, I feel as though I know that person then, you know, and what they're about. So, no, so and, and I must tell you, uh, I, you know, and I was thinking about when you asked me about this podcast and what you're doing is, making a difference, Emma. The reason I'm saying, uh, it's not because you're, you're having me on the show, I'm just saying the ability to, and the courage to have, do make a difference because this is not going to uh, make you a rich person or do something completely different for you, but you're making a difference to people's lives and getting us to learn from each other. I think that's incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that uh, this, is, this is the kind of stuff that I would like to hear more of, see more of, yeah, and it's been more of. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think it's so important to hear from other leaders who are, who are doing it and walking the walk and not only their positives, but their challenges as well. And, um, you know, you can hear it from different different angles. It's all about diversity, diversity of thought, isn't it? You know, that's correct. Um, that's correct. It's, uh, that's you know. correct. So I'm not going to keep you any more harsh. I appreciate your Friday evening. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, talk to you. Thank you so much, Emma.